0: And welcome to another edition of the Nerdy Agent Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Pedersen, with just one brother today and fellow nerd, Josh. What's up, bud? We're missing AJ. I'm I'm a little worried, though. I thought he wasn't going to be here, but I think I see him.
1: He's negotiating one of like five inspections right now. I think right I see now. him so- through the window. Let's let him just get so, you know get his job going.
0: We're, we're missing AJ today, but today we're going to talk about real estate market cycles. We'll discuss a little bit about like the big picture market cycles, what could happen in your career, how you need to be able to adjust, and how that affects you. But specifically, we're going to talk about yearly and what you can do in order to maximize your business based on knowing times of the year what the market's going to look like in real estate yep. and why you need to know that. But first, we are going to do a would-you-rather and so the would you rather of the week is, would you rather own a mansion that's always freezing cold or a small apartment that's always uncomfortably hot? Cold, definitely cold. Freezing cold, negative 10. Well, how, yeah, freezing cold? That negative 10. So your pipes are all burst and there's water
1: everywhere? Is that the way it is? Negative 10. Well, then I'd rather have an uncomfortably hot place that's not covered in water. 120 degrees Fahrenheit. Your house is totaled at that point. 120 degrees <laughs> I could live outside, I guess. At least I'd rather not have a house that is literally covered in water from all the bursting pipes that are inside of it. Um, If it was like sixty degrees in a big house and eighty degrees in a small house, I'd pick the sixty degrees. Freezing cold. I
0: understand. Means under thirty-two. So let's say let's let's make this this, is the dumbest question ever. Then ninety degrees in a small apartment or fifty degrees in the mansion. Uh, Mansion. Forty-five degrees. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I, I I strongly prefer to be cold versus hot.
1: Yeah, I hate true. when that's my house true. is too hot. So I like will run my even in the summer, I'm like I'm turning it down to seventy two a
0: lot of days right now. Anything above expensive. Anything, anything above fifty, I'm taking the mansion. Anything below, I'm gonna have to seriously think about that. It's too hot. Let's get into what actually matters. Um and to start off, can you just give give the agents an idea and the listeners? why they should understand market cycles, why they should know how they can adjust.
1: It's a couple reasons. One, for yourself as someone who's in this industry and wanting to make a living doing it, understanding what uh, the environment macro level is like in the industry is really, really important. So like right now, for example, we've talked a lot about lately about how we're in kind of a... Uh, Interesting market cycle where the activity is just real slow. So because of the inventory that we have a problem with, uh, the shortage, uh, there's just not as many pending sales. And so therefore, we have kind of this issue where agents are struggling because there's just not deals happening. If the market down 25 30%, then in theory, everyone's business is down 25 or 30% plus whatever we've gained in appreciation. Um, so that's important for you to understand because if you know what the market's like, you know, when we were in an up market cycle where the pending sales were way up and you get into it then you might be surprised at what that's going to be like and your activity might have to change.
0: Yeah, and I would say understanding and maybe being able to semi-predict where things might go. I know yep. at the beginning of this year, we knew it was going to be down. I mean, we see we saw what Q4 of 2022 was like and we were telling our agents, we were saying the, the agents who are going to make it in 2023 and beyond are the ones that are going to work really really hard they're gonna have to work two three four times harder for the same amount of output as they did in the previous years and the agents who and i think we did see it a little bit like i don't which for us, we're always looking at that. So it's hard for me to understand what other people are looking at. But for agents that were just going 2020, 2021, 2022, this is great. This is easy. Everybody's reaching out to me and didn't start to prepare and predict what might happen. We've seen a lot of people fall back and not sell nearly as many houses.
1: Yeah. We try to, I mean, in this industry specifically, anyone listening as an agent will know this, but the key is not to ever get too high when things are good and ever get too low when things are bad, because your job does swing a lot in that capacity, right? You have a weekend where you get three deals done and you feel like you're on top of the world and you're a hero, or you have three friends that suddenly all reach out at the same time. You're like, Oh, I'm awesome at this. Yes, go me. And then you have another weekend where three deals all fall apart the same weekend, or you listed a house you thought was going to be a killer. And then it doesn't get any showings and your sellers are frustrated and you go through multiple different issues all at once it's really easy when things go really good to think you're great and when things go really bad to think you're terrible. And I think people that have been in this industry a long time would be lying to you if they've said like, yeah, I." if they if they didn't say like they'd never thought of quitting because it was going poorly and they didn't think that they were good at this. And I think a lot of people are going through that right now because the market's in a poor cycle for them. Um, but the goal is always to stay more even keeled and pragmatic in terms of the business side of this. And then also to be really thoughtful about how you're understanding the current market cycle and what you're doing to be successful in it, as well as kind of pushing for, you know, a process or a, a place where when the things turn, you're in a better spot. And so because things always will have a tendency to fluctuate. Uh, we see it short term in terms of just like our experience with clients and other agents, but uh, more long term in terms of what the market is going to dictate and how that's going to matter for your business. Um, I was oh sorry, go ahead, Ned. No, what do you got? I was just to say it's also important when I first started making the point was uh, to understand this for your clients, because it's important for your own business, right? As you're thinking, planning, etc. But also like your clients will be impacted by these market cycles too. So being able to understand where you're at in a market cycle, what that means for the environment that your clients are going into, and then how you can communicate with them so that they understand what it's going to be like today and where you think things are going tomorrow because you have
0: a you know a different knowledge of this is important as well. That's fantastic. And so having an idea now of why they should understand market cycles, I want to start super basic. Okay. Can you just give an idea? They know what a market cycle is. It's a change in the market. It's, it's a certain period of time in real estate and something happening. What are the different stages from a short term? Yep. During the year is what we're mostly going to talk about right sure. now. And then we'll get into the essentially long-term what can change while you're in your full career in real estate? Yeah,
1: I guess I, I'm not going to get into like a textbook explanation of like, well, they're at this stage in the market cycle process. Like you would read in a, you know, a college textbook, but Mm -hmm. there are components of markets where you have more up, down up markets for agents where, you know, the deals are higher and the activity is higher. And there are timeframes where the market's a little bit more on the downside. And, you can understand this based on both the buy side and the sell side. So when there's more listings and there's more inventory available and when there's more buyers and there's more uh, you know clients available to make deals, you're going to end up with what we're talking about in terms of a you know an up market uh, where there's just more activity happening across the board. During that time frame is when we typically see a lot of agents enter the field. So we've we've talked about this a lot where we're up The problem right now is not that we don't have enough transactions to float the industry the problem right now is we have too many agents to deal with the number of transactions that are happening so you know we have the same number of transactions that we had in you know five ten years ago but we have 50 percent more agents so we have a problem when it comes to that
0: because when we're in an upswing market so essentially there's there's less sales, there's even sales, and there's more sales. Yes. Would be the easiest way to say it. Easiest way. In 2020, 2021, sales skyrocketed. 30% up. Exactly. And when that happens, more agents are going to enter the field because yep. they think it's going to be, times are ripe, it's great for picking. Easy to get in. But it's always going to come back around, essentially. You're going to start to stagnate, and then you're going to decrease. And in the last three years, we've almost followed that market cycle pretty quickly. Yes. Like a lot of times, that can be a 10-year period. Which it was probably between you were expanding from 2010 to 2019, 2021. Yep. Then you hit your stagnation. Now we're kind of going back down. Whether that continues for a long period of time or a short period of time, it's unknown.
1: Right. If you want to go back historically, right? So think about 2007, 2008. uh, We we were on a very high peak going into those years. And then all of a sudden, because of what was happening in the marketplace, that created a lot of really... uh, Interesting things from a cycle standpoint, where all of a sudden inventory got really big, but the buyer pool thinned out a lot because the, we were in a severe kind of recession following that crisis. Um, but then coming out of that, there were a lot of good years from 2010 to 2020, and then 2020, you know, COVID is such a unique event for all of our life site, all of our lifespans, um, that it created a very unique market cycle that I don't think is going to be like anything we're likely to see in the near future, just because. I don't know, everyone kind of freaked out. No at first no one bought anything for 3 weeks, 4 weeks, then all of a sudden everyone was like, "Oh, it might work out." And then interest rates plummeted because so they, they wanted to print money. And then people were stuck in their houses for a year, so they wanted to get the heck out. And so there was just all these little events that created a very unique market. And most people at that point then started reevaluating their jobs because they didn't love their jobs anymore, and so then they thought, "Maybe I should be a real estate agent." So then they joined real estate. There's all these things that happened very, very fast as a result of a very unique economic event and, and social event, et cetera, um, that created kind of the weird place that we're in now. So we're on the back end of yep, that.
0: And if you're, if you're a visual learner and you're listening to this and you have, you're in the Twin Cities area, if you go to the MLS under tools, there's this thing called InfoSparks. InfoSparks is a statistical analysis tool that you can parse data, right? So mm-hmm. I went on here and I went Twin Cities region. I went pending sales at the max right? So we hit our peak in May of 2005 at 70,000 pending sales. That went down to 38,000 by June of 2008. It kind of went up, it went down. We did hit a low in April of 2011 at 36. Hmm. Since then, it's been going up, down, up, right? It goes up and down every single year as well, based on the time of the year. It goes up, up, up. We hit May 21. At sixty nine thousand three hundred, so two less seventy thousand sales. Yep. So very similar. That was the peak in this most recent one, and we've been going down since March of twenty twenty three. Sorry, May of twenty twenty three is the most recent number at forty six thousand. Yeah. So we're actually not we're not that far off where we were that from where the low was even in two thousand and eight. Yep. Two thousand eleven. Yeah. That's um, fair. And so if you want to see this and what that looks like, go on InfoSparks, look at pending sales, and you can kind of understand how that ebbs and flows, and you might be able to make some predictions as to where things go. Because at some point, it does bottom out, it starts to pick up. It, it If we're making predictions, that's probably going to be based on where interest rates go in yep. the next couple of years. That's the biggest determining factor at the yep. moment, probably.
1: When the interest rates, once again, could go back to COVID, the inflation that happened was highly dependent on what happened during COVID, both the supply chains that got messed up, the money that got printed, et cetera, right? All of those things caused inflation to go up. So then therefore the interest rates went up to try to curb inflation. A lot of what we're seeing happening right now is still associated with what happened during COVID. So because there were so many behaviors that were done in such a short spurt during the COVID timeframe to try to just survive, we're still in the back end of some of those decisions. So, you know, barring another massive event like that, the hope would be, we're kind of getting to a point where in this market cycle, we're, we're, I don't say bottoming, but getting closer to where it's like, yeah, we're now seeing the negative implications of those decisions. Whereas in 2021, 20 we saw the positive, positive implications of those decisions. And so the hope would be there's some sort of stabilization now moving forward. So, you know, that's why we talk about this market cycle for our agents. It's, it's a down one, but you're getting closer to the point where it's like, this is probably the worst you're likely to experience. Now it's not it's maybe going to be better for six months, right? It might not be better for a year but if you can continue to survive when things are hard then you'll only see some benefit on the back end when things normalize a little bit
0: and i think that's that's really important and that's that's why we talk about understanding where we're at right and that's the first yep. thing you says understand yep. where you're at so you can predict there's a lot of agents right now, like we said earlier, they come into the market when it's hot, Yep. they leave when it's not going as well. And we're seeing agents fall out of the real estate industry faster than we probably ever have, at least since we've been yep. in real estate. And so it's important to understand that if you can work a little bit harder right now, if you can do a little bit more right now so you can hold through, when pending sales do pick up, there is a barrier to entry. It's not as high as it should be in real estate, getting your license, but there's a barrier and it takes time. So while everybody else is taking that time to get back in, you're already in, and you can capture those sales in the meantime. And in theory, you've had successes during that window, and therefore you're going to continue to be
1: a source of referrals for people or for other things. Now, the story I tell is one thing to be thinking about, and maybe I'm getting ahead in terms of what you need to do during a down market cycle
0: let's get into that okay yeah.
1: so like i would tell a story about i know agents who have been struggling this year and a lot of the reason they're struggling is because they've created themselves in in good times this works well but they've kind of put themselves into a niche of like i only sell to move up buyers seven hundred thousand plus that's who i market to that's who i sell to that's who my friends are um but they're struggling right now because there aren't that many move up buyers because the move up buyers are dealing with the change in interest rates compared to where they are today and they don't they just aren't incented to make a move. And so I think it's important to think about your clientele in terms of diversification, the same way you would a stock portfolio. Um, and I say that kind of funny because I, I hate when people talk about their portfolio diversification. Uh, it's just a cliche thing to say, but as you think about your client base, like having investors that when times are good for investors that can come out and be good, having first time home buyers that can refer you to their friends for first time home buyers, still having friends and family that may be in a move up or a higher price bracket. Um, it's important to have different types of clients, even with investors. Like, I have different types of investors that I work on. I have, uh, you know, standard buy and rent. I have short term investors and I have like unique investors that buy group homes, for example. All of these different clients have different fits into a certain market cycle. And so, when the market is in a slower period, but is in a really good time for investors to buy, I do okay because all my investors come out of the woodwork and they start buying. When the market's in a good spot for first-time home buyers, I do okay because my investors might be gone but my first-time home buyers all show up. So you have to create enough of a portfolio of types of clients to be able to be
0: okay in these different cycles. Types of clients and then the other thing I was going to say was um, buckets of clients. So yeah. where you're getting them. So the types of clients you're sure. getting but also there's a lot of agents that they their sole, their sole business was the referral or the friends they know moving into another house, let's just say. Mm-hmm. When you're in a down market, and I and I I try really hard to be unbiased because I know we have a team and I know we're doing yeah. a lot of stuff for these agents as far as lead generation stuff goes, but you need to be supported by people or around people that are getting leads in different spots, right? So their friend does buy a house, but then they go to an open house and they know exactly what they need to do and how many open houses they need to do to get a client. Because if you can do open houses and get a client, the people that are walking through open houses, the type of person is always at the same stage in their buying process. Whereas your friends, they are just wherever they are. Someone who walks through an open house is looking at houses, right? Or a team that has lead generation. And so I think you have to also be really smart about where you are and who you're working with in a down market, because it it might not be the time to say, I'm gonna go off and do this on my own. It might be the time to say, I want the support of a team that has some more leads or has that knowledge to help me with open houses or to find business in more unique areas yep. so that I can pull through. And then when you're doing great and the up market comes back and there are more sales and stuff's happening, you could always then go off on your own.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sense. Well, and it's also like lead gen, um, lead gen part of it, but also thinking about your client base in terms of like how many clients should I have at any given time? And if you don't have enough to kind of keep you at that level, like I'm like, if I don't ever have five active buyers at any given time, I'm like, Oh, I may, I probably need to do something about this. But when I have 10, I'm like, I don't need any leads, right? I'm not going to go take any leads. I'm not going to service them properly. Exactly. And so you, you kind of have to ebb and flow, but you need to look at it and say like right now I have three and because I've had some success just getting everyone under contract the last few weeks, it's been great. But then you look and you're like, oh, I only have three active buyers right now. The three active buyers will probably sell in the next or buy in the next, you know, three to six months. I have a listing coming on next month. I have another listing active right now. So therefore I'm doing okay. But maybe I probably should try to figure out a way to get some new clients in place. And so A, being able to look at your business that way in a cycle up or down is important. But B, then on the flip side, if you find that you're like, I only have one buyer right now, it's like, well, A, do the best job possible for that one buyer. But you need to think about where your next buyer is going to come from or where your next listing is going to come from because they're not just going to show up at your doorstep specifically relating to a down cycle. And I know we've talked a lot now about what the down cycle looks yep. like, but I think it's important for you to always be thinking about it that way because if you wait around for people to come, they're not going to show up. You have to figure out a way to take action the same way we talk with our
0: team all the time about taking action to try to make deals happen. It's just you have to be pushing the action. So that's the that's the general real estate market cycles do you yeah. have anything else on that piece cuz i want to get into into yearly yeah, market no, cycles good. and the yearly market cycle i think we can talk about what you can do at certain times um but it's i also think it's mostly not necessarily mostly but a lot of it is how you can help your clients within different mm-hmm. times of the year so just run by run through um how you would break down like a yearly cycle as far as how competitive different yep. times of the year. And again, this is the Twin Cities market. We do have a very long winter in the Twin Cities. So if you're in California, I, I'm not really sure how that market works. But everyone
1: has everyone a has market ups and downs for within sure. an annual basis. But it might be
0: different than what we for have for sure. essentially. So we're talking specifically the Twin Cities. But I'd say
1: if in your local market, if you've been doing it for more than a year, you've probably experienced some ups and downs within different timeframes. Now, the ups and downs get exacerbated by the macro stuff. So like when interest rates went way up and we went into the winter, the market got really slow here. If they would have gone way down into the winter, maybe the market still would have been competitive in the winter. So there's other things that are impacting those. But if you look back at once, if you go to your InfoSparks, you can look at the flow of, or whatever you use in your local market to track kind of pending sales. You can look at how many sales happen in any given month. And that will tell you a lot about how there are swings seasonally within your own market. Sometimes it might be school start dates Sometimes it might be weather-related or even event-related, I don't know, within your market that causes that. And so for us in Minnesota, we have a bad, long, gross, terrible winter. Um, Not even to pretend that I like it, I don't. Uh, And we see for sure the biggest timeframes when the market slows here are uh, end of October into November and through Christmas, January 1st, the weather's still gross, but for some reason, because the year turns, we've seen recently at least that people, you know, I I tell people that I think people set their New Year's resolution when they haven't won a house to buy a house. And so they all go out the first day, first weekend of January. So if you have a good understanding of that, you can use that to your advantage because you can understand your client situation and say, oh, well, you're moving back on this date. You're going to do this X, Y, and Z and kind of try to fit them into a box that then optimizes the individual seasonal market cycle with their situation. So like if you can list your house in July and sell it, and then you're planning on living with family for a little period of time, and then you want to buy in November, you might make a lot of money doing that. Mm -hmm. And so trying to communicate to them based on your understanding of your current seasonal market cycle uh, is really important to learn how to do as well.
0: And so I would say, like he had said, so I'd say like late September, October through Christmas, January 1st here in the twin cities is when things start to get pretty competitive. That goes typically about through May. End of May is where we typically see the yep. peak of competitiveness June, here. into June. It does get into June. Um, one of the big reasons for that is because of the fact that we, I mean, January through uh, March is very competitive. So people are out buying houses. Yep. But we also do see releases happen usually in the Twin Cities, like Summers. June, July is when people are releasing. So if they don't find a house for that first five months, that's when they're maybe deciding to pull back out of the market. There's a few less buyers in there. Yep. I mean, we I'd be hard-pressed to say that today on June 28th, it's it's definitely less competitive today than it was a well, month ago.
1: To your point, it depends on what market you're talking about too. So understand the different types of buyers and what they're doing and understand what key events may impact them. So for us, it's, yes, in Minnesota, you have a lot of June leases. So if you have first-time home buyers as a big portion of that, a lot of them won't come back out until January because they'll say, hey, it's the next year. My lease ends in June. I should start buying in January to get ahead of this. And therefore, I'll have a house by March or April. But by March or April, you know, they're like, oh, if I don't buy one now, I may need to extend my lease
0: for another year. And then by June, it's too late. And so they've extended their lease for another year. Our, That's one big one. Our peak in pending sales has been in in May of 2021 and 2022. In 2020, the peak was in August, which maybe had something to do with COVID slowing totally. down at the beginning of the year probably. Totally did. Um, and so what... So. That's how you can kind of help your clients as far as maybe getting a better deal if it's in the winter or what have. Yeah, you. like I had a
1: client who is moving from Colorado
0: and they sold their house in Colorado. They're moving back
1: here. I said list your house in the summer in Colorado, get a rental here because you don't then can wait to see houses and just not buy remotely. Live in that rental and ideally, I mean, if the right house comes on, we buy it now. But think about November, December is the time where you would buy it. Break that one year lease and then move into that house in January, and you you know, save a ton of money on the whole process because you're lining yourself up properly to fit within the seasonal market cycles of Minnesota.
0: So then the other thing I want to talk about is what agents can do at different times of the year. Yeah. So you, let's just say you break it into three, you have January through somewhere in June, early June, then you have June through October and then you have October through Christmas. Let's just say what are, what should agents be doing at different times of the year to ensure their business stays consistent yep um and grows when they need it to
1: one of the best pieces of advice i've ever gotten in my career professionally and it's been you know 15 years now was when i was an intern at 19 years old and i was interning for this guy and he said whenever you see a group of people all running in one direction turn around and run the other direction as quickly as possible And I think our agents have it backwards because we see January that the market's going to come back. And we're like, let's go. It's January. We're going to get out there. We're going to crush deals. But then they get to like October, that time frame. And they say, oh, it's almost, it's end of the year. I'm tired from how hard I worked. I got Thanksgiving and Christmas coming on. So I'm just going to take a little break now. I, I tend to actually have a lot of success in the back half of the year that then starts me really well for the following year. And I would say I also tend to have uh, a slower time frame that starts around like right now until around that October time frame when I've looked at my historical career success. Now, part of that is my life. So think about how your life fits into your job because there's no school right now. My kids are home a lot in the summer and I want to be present with them and I have activities that they're in and there's a lot more and I want to go to the lake or whatever. Right. So I choose to be a little less active during these months because it fits my life better, but also the market's a little crazy and it's just not as much fun either to be out. So, but then I get to October and I'm like, I got nothing else to do. I might as well fly around in October, November, December, instead of, you know, being stuck inside, feeling sad about the cold and get a little head start on the next year. So I can take some more time off during those, you know, other months that are going on.
0: We tell our agents every year when we get to Q4 of the year previous, right? So Q4 of 2022, your Q4 drives your Q1 of yep. the next year. And if you're just sitting around in Q4 not doing anything, not building business systems and processes on the back end, not focusing on your clients and not talking to people and being in front of people, your Q1 is going to be slow. And then all of a sudden your Q2 is going to pick up. And then you're going to start slowing down in Q3. And then you're going to do nothing in Q4. And then your Q1 is going to be slow. You find, you find it patterns, it's right? the same thing over and over again. Yep. And so you have to hyper-focus. I love Q4. Because I don't always necessarily have the same amount of clients. And so there's all these other things that I can implement. Whether yeah, it's yeah. direct mailer strategies, whether it's doing more on social media, whether it's reaching out to more friends. So you can build for the next year. Yep, And that's it's kind of exciting yep. in my opinion.
1: I like it too. Um, another good piece of advice I got from somebody was... Uh, the best way you can be successful is to work when you feel productive and to rest when you don't feel productive. And so everyone's going to be different in terms of when their life dictates productivity. And so if there are like for me, like I said, Q4, I'm a naturally like excitable antsy person. And so when I'm stuck inside and I'm cold and it's gross, I just want to do something. So that's when I tend to be like you, I just want to go, go, go. But when the summer's there, I kind of want to relax or be with my family or do other things. So I just tend to fit a little differently. But Find that productivity switch in your brain that says like, yeah, I feel productive now and then kick it into overdrive during those timeframes. But try your best to align and get your rest when the market's going to be a little bit less fun to deal with because you're going to do better than when you get your rest and then you can kick it in high gear in a time where you can have some
0: more success. And I would say you can slowly add some rest in there, but don't take a full month off. Like, it's not not ideal. Not ideal. That's going to slow you down moving forward. Um, we were just talking about a newer agent on our team that's been doing really, really well lately. She's been working really hard and and selling. I think five or six houses in like this a month, month for first month. Yeah, which is crazy. And and the common denominator is that she's working. She's hustling. She's working hard. If you work hard in real estate, good things will happen. Yep. It's a common denominator. And so that's real estate market cycles. Pay attention understand what they are, work hard in Q4. But in general, if you're going to work hard, good things are going to happen. And that's all we have this week for the Nerdy Agent Podcast. And as always, remember, be better.